Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. It's good to see all of you, sort of. They move the steps. I don't know. It's all these people that we go away and they change lights and they change sound and they sort of. It's a major production going on here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, this is a time, generally speaking, when uh, many, many people around the world uh, will go to church and it will be the only time they go to church in a year because this would be considered to be uh, a holy time for some in the church. In fact, on our, on our journey back, we st stopped at an international airport where the Muslim faith is, uh, is uh, practiced. And uh, they declared in the aeroplane as we were landing in the airport that this is the time of Ramadan and so food is not available to be eaten between uh, um, in, in the sunlight hours, you know. So not only is it a time that is uh, kept by other faiths, it is also a time when a lot of Christians go to church and they expect that going to church at this time of uh, what they would call Good Friday or Holy Friday and Resurrection Day and all kinds of this whole period of time now onwards, um, that this is a, a time where most churches will have special services. Well, as you know, last year the Lord said to me, it's a time for us to have camp meeting. And we are not, we are not um, doing what the religious thing is to do. We are doing what the God thing is to do. And um, I know that for most people, this is a long weekend where people would go away. Although I spoke to somebody, I believe it was last year. It could have been the year before, but I spoke to somebody. I said, how was your long weekend? He said, well, we spent the whole of the Friday riding there and the whole of the Monday riding back and we only had two days in between to have holiday. So I think it's a good idea for us to do this every year because you don't have to waste Friday riding there and Monday riding back. <laughs> and you all say very cautiously, amen, because you want Easter to... <laughs> you don't want our Easter's to be given up, right? Yeah. Unless God speaks. And so certainly for this, this year, God said, I want us... He wants to meet with us and He wants us to meet with Him. And... Uh, so we are obeying Him, and I have a great expectation of things that God is going to do, accomplish, achieve, and change in us, and for us, and with us this few days that we are going to be together. Dedicating time that would normally be free time, relaxed time, rest time, but giving it to Him time. And who knows what God can do for you when you give Him what you're giving Him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Before I hand over to Pastor Sharon, who's going to speak first, I just want to welcome, in, in, in human blood forms, he's my uncle, my dad's cousin, 
Andy May and his wife Penny. Um, but um, um, so he is my blood family, but he's much more than that. We were, we were just been catching up, and uh, to me, he has always been a man that has faithfully served God, devoted his life to God, and been uncompromising in his walk with God. When we're talking together now, we talk about so many things where we would like to have done better for God. But that is a tendency that happens when you get a bit older and you look backwards, you say, I could have done that differently and I could have done that. Now that I know this, I could have done that, you know. So, but anyway, welcome Andy and Penny. It's good to have you with us this weekend. Amen. Pastor Sharon, it is now over to you. All right. So Pastor John and I are going to share the session. And uh, Pastor John has asked me to go into a little bit more detail. And some of you will be hearing it for the first time. Um, and as most of you know, uh, um, I hang on to Pastor John's every word because he is our spiritual leader. He is my spiritual leader. And I'm listening all the time to the things that he's saying. And, um, and so there are some words. He called this weekend camp meeting. So that's always had a special place in my heart because, as you know, our our spiritual father for many years before he went to be with the Lord was Kenneth Hagen, And we used to go to America to his camp meetings. And we've had some people ask us, what is a camp meeting? What do you mean camp meeting? Well, this morning, Pastor John said to me, he said to me, we are beginning. We are starting this weekend. Starting with camp meeting. So I'm going to read to you what um, Kenneth E. Hagen said this. During old-time camp meetings in the 1800s, people often came in wagons, set up camp, and attended an outdoor tent revival. They weren't in a hurry because they didn't have to go anywhere. So the Spirit of God could move freely. What is, why is the Lord having me say this to you? So your expectation can be in cooperation with what we're in. We're in camp meeting where the Spirit of God wants to move freely because we're not going anywhere but being here. So... So the Spirit of God could move freely. Many would fall out under the power of God during the services. This is from Kenneth Hagin, his words. In January 1973, the Lord dealt with Kenneth E. Hagin about holding meetings where the spirit of old-time camp meetings would prevail. God instructed him what to do and to teach in the daytime and leave the night sessions open to the move of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is going to direct Pastor John in the same way. 
But I'm, we're talking now about camp meeting, the purpose and the power of it. Brother Hagen, I thought you would find this interest, interesting, Pastor John, held his first camp meeting in July 1973 at Sheridan Christian Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The early meetings were called Faith Seminar and Indoor Camp Meetings. More than 400 people came that first year. The speaker lineup included Roy Hicks, J.R. Goodwin, Vicki Jameson Peterson, ministered in song. And so he, the rest of the article has got excerpts from the messages that Kenneth Hagen spoke and Roy Hicks spoke during that camp meeting, the first camp meeting. So now I'm going to just read to you so that you can get the spirit of camp meeting, because this is where we're going, because this is our first camp meeting, right? So it's good for us to get it. I'm going to read things that other precious men and women of God have said about camp meeting. Camp meetings are institutions that were developed during the early years of the Second Great Awakening. They began with very temporary arrangements such as tents, wagons, brush arbors to worship under. Over time, these gatherings established more permanent structures and began to draw people from surrounding communities. Francis Asbury once called camp meetings a battle axe and weapon of war. That broke down walls of wickedness throughout the nation. He believed they were a great means of grace. Some reasons why we still, why Pastor John and I think we still need to have camp meetings today, besides the fact that it's legacy. They provide an opportunity for true Sabbath rest. The first thing most people feel when they attend a camp meeting is that they have passed from business and busyness to tranquility in just a few small steps. It was just a decision for you. I'm not going away. I'm not going anywhere on the Easter weekend. I'm going to listen to what the Lord is saying through Pastor John, and I'm going to change my, I'm just going to go away from what I normally do. Just in a few small steps, I'm going to pass from business and busyness to tranquility. Many who attend camp meetings when no one else is worrying about productive, many who attend camp meeting when no one else is worrying about being productive or efficient or being on vacation, the experience of camp meeting is difficult to describe. But Eugene Peterson's description of Sabbath does a phenomenal job. You know, Eugene Peterson wrote the Message Bible. This is his description of Sabbath. Uncluttered time and space to distance ourselves from the frenzy of our own activities. So we can see and hear what God is doing. Okay, here's another reason why we should have camp meeting. As marvelous as grace is when it invades our life, Grace needs many continuing, ongoing opportunities to invade our lives if we are to go on marching. Camp meetings provide the time and place for this abundant grace to invade. 
glory. Singing, singing hymns, gospel hymns, listening to someone preach with the fervor of a great awakening preacher. Each service serve as a reminder that we're part of something that started well before us. And the fact that camp meetings survive in our world today also serves as a testimony to the unstoppable nature of the gospel. Countless institutions have closed down since the turn of the century, but for some reason, God has preserved camp meetings. So, another point is, there are places, camp meetings are a place where things happen in an intentional way. Each year. It says here for one week each year. Every day, singing, preaching, teaching, conversation, relationships taking place, which help replace false narratives adopted from the world with the true narratives about God that Jesus regularly taught. Every moment is spent with other people who have chosen to dedicate their life to these same tasks. You're spending time. Spend time together. When we're not here worshiping and singing together and we're not listening to the word together, fellowship with one another. It's part of the purpose of camp meeting, glory, to have holy conversations with one another. So, let me see what else I can read here. There's so much. Why camp meetings? It is in the interest that every minister and layman keep before him a clear vision as to the real purpose of camp meetings. Camp meeting promotes spiritual life among our people. We need to meet together and receive the divine touch. Every effort should be put forth to place the divine imprint upon all who attend. And I want to tell you that there's been prayers that have gone forth for this camp meeting. Be expecting to be receiving everything to really not be the same as when you came. Hallelujah. So, okay. The ministers should be ready to act as teachers and leaders in the work of the camp. When occasion requires, they should be able to speak words of cheer and courage and drop seeds of spiritual truth into the soil of honest hearts that will spring up and bear precious fruit. Glory to God. Camp meeting needs to be a time of prayer. Those who labor at camp meeting should frequently engage together in prayer. There is far more being done by the heavenly universe than we realize in preparing the way that souls may be converted. Among those who attend camp meeting, there are those who come burdened. Some have home problems. Some struggle along throughout the year in divided, broken homes. There are those present at camp meeting who are spiritual delinquents. Tithe delinquents. Isn't that interesting, Pastor John? Spiritual delinquents and tithe delinquents. Hmm. Etc. Some on the grounds look, some at camp meeting look for divine healing. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Still others come burdened with the guilt of sin and evil habits. Such an array of men and women present the boldest challenge to God's servants. And wise efforts must be put forth, which we already have in prayer. And Pastor John preparing his heart. And the musicians preparing their heart. And all of the people that have been involved, all the extreme team, all of the my exchanges, everybody, all of the helps ministry that are busy here, efforts must be put forth so that all may receive proper attention and spiritual uplift. Glory to God. It says here, the most determined efforts at camp meeting should be made to arouse the people. The spirit and fire of evangelism should be predominant throughout the meetings. Camp meeting devoted to spiritual interests. As far as possible, our camp meeting should be wholly devoted to spiritual interests. Camp meeting is to be a time for singing and for praise. In our camp meeting services, there should be singing and instrumental music. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If more... if. There would be much more power in our camp meeting if more praise flowed forth from our lips to the honor and glory of his name. What could be more stirring than voices lift, lifted to God in full-throated song? It is a well-known fact that the Roman church feared Martin Luther's meetings of praise and song more than it feared his polemic theology. It would seem that after a 10-day session on the grounds, Every worshiper should have cleared his soul of the tunes of the world and depart with songs of God in his heart and upon his lips. What a challenge for the ministers of music. Glory to God. The ministers of music have given themselves to this for this camp meeting this weekend. Glory to God. All right. So I'm going to finish with this. There's just so much here. Success of camp meeting depends upon you. Success of camp meeting depends upon you, depends upon me. Each one should feel that in a measure the success of the meeting depends upon him. Do not say, I am not responsible. I shall have nothing to do in this meeting. If you feel thus, you are giving Satan opportunity to work through you. That's quite poignant, isn't it, Pastor John? So. Right. That's it. So now, what we're going to do for some minutes, for those of you that haven't been praying for this camp meeting, we're going to give you opportunity to pray. Won't you stand with me, please? Won't you stand with me? Won't you lift up your heart to God in prayer? Lift up your heart to God now. You have been trained and taught in prayer. For those of you that are visiting here, you are most welcome to make yourself at home. But the majority of people here in this church have been trained and taught to pray. We are a praying church. And we pray in the spirit. We pray in tongues. Because the word of God that says that he that prays in an unknown tongue speaks not 
to man, but he speaks unto God. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries and things that are not obvious to the understanding. That's Corinthians chapter 14. So saints, let us pray. Sabara, that this camp meeting will be everything. We pray your heart out now, Lord. Sebreketa to Rushe Serebekita. Iratu strevete patakute pelekaradu. Shente pratiso note katakalo kuturupo sheperese te pereti. Kora makatu prebeshke rebete tisana tuturupo. You touch every person, Father. Shikaroku telepatisa lote te pekareko. Sherebetisa lote kete ketarato. Ishafro petereti. Intamano kete stefere prapisha no te kete ketika lo. Ishovreke savro broko toloporoboshkeske. Every person will be saved. Every person healed, Lord. Levrebekeshke, every broken heart. Bound up, Lord. Breste barakatuke rebreshke. Every blind eye opened, Father. Lebrebekeshke risa da brove perepashka. Rostoro pokoshke refestrevekete le matakali katarotepe. Andamanaku te keremanaku regishka ramatu ketika ramatu. Entemeneke rebashka da rote te tere pakashku durosoto koro. Isakro betu rasa nakote rebakushku robo soto roto. A spirit speaks to you, our Father. Rokushke revest. Rebacata rotes, Rebeke, Rebaco, Robonte, Rebito, Iscarataco, Rebegeshke, Refestri, Bacotocolo, Eremataco, Robote, Pesefte, Prebeke, Shebrisa, Namatacato, Ekelecati, Oromono, Sherese, Tecerinda Dado, Iscarafaros, Terebegerinda Raro, Irasto, Irasto, Treve, Papromento, Tiracoches, Sefre, Perepeca, Isonta, Manaco, Roboshke, Sepreta, Uke, Rebeduce, Lematacatucera, Isha. Afro brevista la catarotes de baraco, iscalato, irmamoke, rebeke shira, profesedete, ketako robo, emomoshe, emamoshe, emescavato, iscascascascavato, i prapo cutulo poteco rimasta catuke, iscavro brevete kira catuke, iscacro mete resinto, i caro memasu crescinto, i crassinto crestreve keticato luco, offro monte preveselita catacta crove, iscara brava cachore preves. Ilakato, Ilakato, Eskevere Basolute Ketekerita, Stovoshe, 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 Mere Pacato, Lobote Petisha, Namacro, Sevre, Endregi, Shobrama, Secredi, Sifraba, Kaaprama, Katakulepe, Shikarako, Tepelekekilato, Endemendegri, Hahalado, Hirasta Kahendeli, Ambrabaga Halado, Ishafro Sente Pri. Ampra makato rope tepe shisato tepe kefe lepe pepe resito koto koto probe ha lugote lagote lagote impra mamato shuse prepesore shuse isha flore isha flore marapokeskerisa o trianto prepeke shafros trepentre tirato kerebeske isafro brobote pereke shira probeste have your way have your say robo secro prepeke tika lato embre me katu froshe Prepeseleti, I shove le peremanda, ha grokoshke reveserica ramando, hereke sicro, arabakushke, sicra mamatu, hasho, 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 lesefte perenete. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that we never pray in tongues without faith, because our mind is unfruitful. But every sound that we make, in the ancient language, you know, praying in tongues, Father, is immediately 
interpreted and discernible to you. And the answers are already on their way. We believe that and we receive that in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, that was awesome about camp meeting. Hallelujah. Uh, I believe, I do believe this. I, it may not be Easter. We'll, we'll be uh, flowing with the Lord as He leads us. But it may be Easter. But I, I don't believe this is the last year we're going to have camp meeting. I believe God has started something and He's going to increase it. Hallelujah. And He wants to use these meetings for His glory and His purpose. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So, <clears throat> I'll give you a little, I'll give you some photographs and I'll give you some feedback um, probably in the evening session tonight. Uh, but some of us, as much as I can on uh, the trip that we have, that we went on and God really blessed us with. So I, I don't want to say too much about that right now. How many of you realize that about a month ago, maybe a little more now, maybe it's six weeks ago, Ukraine was a thriving democratic society. And the Ukraine had buildings, they had banking systems, they had hospitals, children would get up and go to school every day, they would have stop at the local grocery store and buy groceries, uh, and they would live, they were living a life that was a normalized, more Western in its, in its conduct and its, in, in its form than, say, for example, third world countries. It was a thriving country and a thriving economy and uh, had elected a new president who was doing and had made it his mandate that he was going to, to get rid of corruption that Ukraine was famous for. How many of you have seen any pictures of what the Ukraine, some of what the Ukraine looks like now? Uh, I mean, it perhaps the news only shows the broken buildings and the, the destruction that has happened, but millions of people have been walking away from their homes and walking into Poland and walking into neighboring countries, walking with what they could carry because in order to save their life, they had to walk away. They had to walk away from what was just 
six weeks ago, two months ago, maybe, a very normalized life. What do you suppose, what do you suppose is the reason why Russia would attack the Ukraine, amass their weapons, roll their tanks into a country and start blasting away. When actually most Ukrainians have a legacy and a, and a family heritage that is more Russian than anything else, and actually um, stories are coming out where some Russian soldiers um, on purpose actually put holes in their, their, their um, tanks, uh, petrol tanks or diesel tanks or whatever, so that they could not roll their tanks into, into any further because they were actually going to war with their own family members. Stories are coming out like that. So why is it, do you think, why do you think Russia has declared war on the Ukraine. I mean, you know, there's been threats by, by Putin before about he was he, the Donbass region and Belarus and other things, neighboring countries that are around there. But, but never, not since the Second World War has there been war in Europe. Right? So 19, 1945 was the last time there were tanks rolling around what is commonly known as the extended Europe. 1945. That's a long time. In fact, Europe considered itself to be so free of violence and war that when Donald Trump came into, into power, he actually went and placed a demand on Germany to say, you've got to pay your percentages into NATO if you want to have NATO. And he went to the France and everybody and said, we are not going to keep paying NATO to be a, a, anymore because you guys are not paying your dues because Germany didn't feel like it ever needed an army. Come on. Along with... Others, suddenly Finland, suddenly Sweden, Norway, other countries, there's many other countries that are around that area, suddenly there's a real threat. Okay. How many of you have listened to the news and heard anybody say, it's the devil? Anybody? Anybody heard that it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the demon of war, the Satan of war, the Satan or the demon of violence? Anybody? No? Uh, they don't talk about that on the news. What do they talk about? They talk about the political motivation. What Vladimir Putin's agenda? 
what's his ultimate agenda to commit this crime, which now is being called war crimes. Why is he doing that? So they will talk about his motives. They will talk about the political impacts. They're going to talk. They talk about the economic impacts. They talk about the fact that Biden approved the completion of the second pipeline from Russia into Germany, which makes them more dependent on German gas, on Russian gas, and suddenly the price of oil um, has gone from. I remember this less than a year ago. The price of oil was around $30 a barrel, and now the price of oil is about $110 a barrel. And Russia is one of the greatest exporters of gas and oil. And so how do you think he's funding his war? He's funding his war because Biden said, We're gonna, USA is going to stop manufacturing gas oil, shut all our oil fields down, and we're going to authorize Russia to open its pipeline to Germany. Suddenly, all the price goes up, Russia's got all the money, and they go to war. That's what they'll talk about. They'll talk about the economic reasons. They'll talk about how financially they're capable of doing it. They're going to talk about the, the, the political issues. They're going to talk about the motivations. They're going to talk about what this means to the rest of the world. They, and you will probably hear, if you're listening to the news, you will probably hear um, the fact that uh, there's, a, there's a coalition that has happened between Russia and China. Uh, because what's China's next agenda? Anybody heard what China's agenda is? Come on. Global domination. Am I right? Global domination. Not, not, even, not even just we want to take over America. China has stated as its objective they want to have global domination. They said by the year 2025. And the person that came in that stopped that was Stopping their agenda was a, str a strong leader that, ah, no, no, he was also rough around the edges, but a strong leader like Donald Trump came into power and suddenly he was, he was calling on Russia, making trade agreements, making them pay their way. He was taking them on and he was saying, wait a minute, Ru America's the powerhouse in the world, not Russia. A new president comes in and suddenly America is weak. In one year, America went from an inflation rate of 1.6% to, as it stands today, the American inflation is about 8.5%. Am I right? Anybody want to? It's about that. And it's going up every month. Anybody heard that perhaps there's a, uh, there's a, a demon of greed, envy, power that's behind us. Anybody heard anybody on the news talk about devils, demons, satanic powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual forces, in high, wickedness in high places? Anybody heard anybody talk about the motivation that this is the reason why this is happening? 
Because that's not what they talk about. They don't talk about the real what's going on. They talk about reason. They talk about people's agendas. Talk about political motivation. They don't talk about what the devil's doing. Mm. You think, come on now, let's, let's talk turkey for a few minutes here today. Do you think the devil's behind any of this? Or do you, I, I mean, I can't, I can't sit edge in your heart and sit where you are and connect with your thinking and with your heart here. What you really believe, is this just human stuff or whether, whether God is really God and the devil is really trying to do what he can do to stop the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, stop the rise of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and stop men from worshipping God, the living God. I can't say what you really, I don't know what you really, really believe. But whether you really believe it or not, the devil is behind this. This is not God that's causing violence and war. Huh? Okay, we're going to become a little more, we're going to bring this a little bit closer to home. I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to not eat for the whole weekend. Don't eat for the whole weekend. It's got quiet in this place. Why has it gone so quiet in this place? Because the minute I say don't eat in, you are already think I'm waiting for dinner, never mind tomorrow. <laughs> yes? And if you get tomorrow lunchtime, if you make it that far, it's like, don't talk to me. <laughs> and if you happen to make it through tomorrow and you get all the way to Sunday without eating, you are going to be... Already detoxing, your stomach is going to be talking, and you are going to be hangry. <laughs> right? So, but fasting just means you stop eating food, you just stop eating food. What's the big deal about that? I mean, fasting, you just stop eating food. But if you're fasting and praying, you stop eating food and you now focus your energy on what God is wanting. Now you stop eating food and your, your obedience or your submission or your declaration of your intent of your devotion to God to stop eating to say to your body you will not dominate me because I want to give myself to God and let God 
and me get closer because I don't want to be distracted by eating food. Right? It's an incredible thing about fasting. You don't want to be distracted by eating food, but all you can think about is eating food. You know, but the thing about fasting is, is that what you are saying is, is that I am recognizing that this natural realm has an has a impact on my world and I choose to let this impact take second choice to a much higher level of life that I want to live for a short period of time. So when Jesus went and fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, that meant that he really was making a spiritual statement that actually he was giving himself to, to the spirit realm, not to the natural realm. Okay. Romans chapter 6, verse 17 says, But thank God, though you were once slaves, you were once slaves of sin, you have become obedient with all your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. How many of you are sinless? But you can say, I'm no longer a slave to sin. Because when you sit and you listen to the Word of God and you let the Word of God change your heart and change your life, you can say, I might still yet not be perfect in my life, but I'm no longer a slave to sin. So what's this got to do with Ukraine? Hold on, I'll get to it in a minute. And having been set free from sin, you have become servants of righteousness, which means you have become, you have conformed to the divine will in thought, purpose, and action. So now, when you are no longer a slave to sin, you are actually righteous. You are made righteous, which means you, in your spirit, man, you want to conform to the divine will, the divine thought, and the divine purpose of God. It's what you were born for. You were born again for it, so that you're no longer a slave to sin, but you are righteous. And in your righteousness, you wish to do the will of God. So... When you are no, not wishing to do the will of God, you actually have to choose to say, I rather choose my old life of slavery. It's quite something, eh? I want to talk to you... Uh, for a moment, if you'll go with me to John chapter, oh my. This thing is not working for me. 
No, my iPad's not jet lagged. But it has been, this Bible has been giving us trouble. Sharon and I have been sitting in many meetings and, uh, and suddenly our Bible freezes on us and my Bible has frozen on me. I mean literally frozen on me. Can I have, yeah. Sharon's going to say to me now, you see, that's why I use a paper bubble and not, and not, a lot, not an electronic bubble. Thank you, my darling. If you'll go with me to, to John chapter 14, please. But I wanted to read it out of the Amplified. But no, yeah. Uh, John chapter 15. I want to read verse 1. John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it so that it may bring more forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word that I have spoken to you. So if you are, if you are connected to God, then your connection to God says you must bear fruit. You must bear fruit. You must bear fruit. If you are connected to God, you must bear fruit. Okay, I'll read it to you out of the Amplified. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear, true, uh, bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off, takes away, he cleanses and repeatedly reprunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it more, to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are cleansed and pruned already because the word which I have given you, the teachings, have, I, I have discussed with you. So, he says in verse 4, dwell in me and I will dwell in you. This is a choice. This is something that we must do. Now, I'm going to talk to you about the scale that God works with for a moment. And I'm going to just lay a foundation for something that I'm going to share with you tonight. I can say this publicly because Brother Jerry has spoken this publicly in his own church. And so if you haven't listened to his message that he preached in his own church, uh, in January, February, March time frame, then you would have heard him say it in his own church. But he talks about his December as being a holiday from hell, a vacation from hell, a holiday from hell, because they discovered some, some signs of 
skin cancer under his, in his skin. And so he went for a skin treatment, which they, they burnt his skin with some kind of form of radiation. And he says the, the treatment lasted for 15 minutes. He said, but it's the, it felt like someone had a, a fire torch blowing fire on his face for 15 minutes. And he said it was the most painful 15 minutes he's ever experienced in his life. So he goes home after the treatment, and so now they've effectively burnt his face. And so his face begins to peel, and the peeling process is as painful as the heating process. Um, in the process of him being at home, he gets gout. Yeah, he gets gout. So he talks publicly about this, so we had opportunity to talk about it more privately um, while we were spending time with him, but, but he talks about the fact that together with what was happening in his body, his face, his gout, the gout and everything, he said he's never experienced discomfort to that extent before in his life. And he was supposed to be having time out and then he was actually man down. It took him four or five weeks to recover from the facial treatment. Thank God that 98% uh, of it is now gone. He has one more mark on the side of his face, which he's taken care of right now, and it will be, go away. And so we thank God for that. Amen. So he also discovered the reasons why um, from time to time he would get gout. So he has, he has quit eating the food that would give him gout. It's just a wise decision. If you haven't had gout, then you won't know how painful it is. But if you have had gout, you will know that it's an extremely painful thing. If you've if you can talk to anybody that's had back pain and that has had to have a back operation because they have a back pain, they will tell you that there's no pain as, I mean, it's like they can't think of anything else in the world other than the pain that they're having at that time. And that's basically what Brother Jerry said. He said, I, you know, I was in such agony and such pain. You know, I don't want to listen to Kenneth Copeland. I don't want to listen to Kenneth Hagen. I don't want to listen to anybody. All I could, all I could think of is how do I get rid of this pain? Come on now. But Jerry Saval is a very strong spiritual being. Right? So you tell me now, what is the greatest reality in his life? The physical pain he experienced in December or his walk with God that he's experienced his whole life? Tell me what's more important to Jerry Savelle. His walk with God all of his life. He doesn't blame God for what happened to his skin. He doesn't blame God either for the gout. On the contrary, he, he considered those two acts, the things that happened to him as temporarily disabling him 
And now he's coming back with a vengeance to say, that which the devil stole from me, I'm taking it back. Because what's in his spirit is stronger than what was in his body. But to say that pain has no impact on what's in you, it's, it's like you can't focus on anything else, but when your pain, your body's in real pain, you that's what you focus on. Right? So, which is the highest truth? What is the highest truth in your life? The pain that you have in your body or the life of God that you can live with? Come on. So when Jerry Savelle was in pain, he recognized, I have, to, I have to, number one, get medical, receive medical advice as to what is going on in my body, number one. Number two, I might have to go through some pain in the short term so that I can be used by God in the longer term. So even though he's 75, he, he's got to... Kenneth Copeland says he's going to be around till 120. And he openly declares that Jerry Savelle therefore must live till at least 110. Because he's not prepared to live without his ministry partner and work without him. And so if he's going to be 120, Jerry's got to live to 110. And so whether Brother Savelle likes it or not, Dr. Savelle, he's got to live to 110. Because <laughs> Kenneth Copeland said so. <laughs> So, anyway, those men have an understanding of the life of God that even though for a moment they are focused on and, and they, have to, they have to recognize that their physical bodies are mortal, they know that in their spirit they live immortally. They know that in their spirit they have more power available to go further than what their physical bodies will allow them. So, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring a connection for you here. You think what is happening between Russia and the Ukraine is just one military, stronger, powerful country trying to dominate another country? No, there's, there's demonic powers that are at work in the human globe. And it is possible, it is possible that the events that we are busy witnessing may lead to things that are, that are end times activities. I mean, things are changing in the landscape it's been a long time since there's been a superpower that's gone to war with another power where the superpower will just can't push a button and you can have a nuclear war. I don't believe it's going to happen. But I'm just saying, there's things happening. Do you think it's any different to when the enemy comes to you and says, you're not going to make it financially. Or don't, 
don't do this or go and do that or do you think it's any different spirit that is at work if they're trying to make you the slaves of sin and not allow you to walk in the freedom of righteousness? Do you think there's any difference in the war that's taking place? I'm trying to tell you that wherever you allow the devil to come into your life and into your world and give him access into your world, he's busy firing missiles at the structure of your life and it is taking out entire blocks of flats in your emotions, in your thinking, in your words, and in your life. And if you wanted a visual representation of what the devil tries trying to do to you as a person, just go and look at the, what's happening to the infrastructure of Ukraine. So, he's trying to destroy your health. He's trying to destroy your education facilities. He's trying to destroy your communication ability. He's trying to destroy everything that you have. So, go look at Ukraine and see what the enemy of God is doing there. The infrastructure of that nation has crumbled. So, even if Russia pulls out right now, I believe that whatever Russia, Putin is, whatever spirits are influencing him, they would have already achieved quite a, quite a lot because it's going to take Ukraine how many years to recover? They've got to, they got to take down all those buildings that are partially blown apart. They've got to remove all those buildings and they've got to rebuild their nation. Hello. I'm telling you now that there are demonic forces out there that are throwing arrows, bombs at you, at your life, in your mind, in your emotions, in your world, causing you to speak words, causing you to think thoughts, causing you to take actions. And he's busy blowing up the spiritual infrastructure of your world. So that you can't communicate the way God wants you to communicate. So that the health that He's given you, He steals it. So that the so that the education that is the God way of living in faith, by faith, with His fruitfulness, is taken away from you. God offers you an alternative, and the alternative is stay connected to Him in the vine. Because when you stay connected to Him in the vine, you will bear fruit. Your fruit will create infrastructure in your life. Spiritual infrastructure. Spiritual health buildings. Spiritual communication capabilities. Spiritual education. Spiritual financial wall streets. In you. To bear fruit. In you to bear fruit. And then he says, oh, this financial infrastructure thing that's working good. Is, I see that there's a few things here that's not working so well. Let's cut them off. 
What are you doing to me, the Lord? You're telling me to give my car to somebody or you're telling me to sell my car and do this or do that. Or I must give, go and pay for somebody's meal. He's pruning you. It's not testing you, he's pruning you. Because you've got to take your head and you've got to take your mind and you've got to say, I refuse to obey what my instinct of myself is telling me to do. Because if you live by the instinct of yourself, you are attracting bombs from Russia. And you can have them with love. You will have them from Russia with love. Russia being the devil. He doesn't know how to love, but he will send bombs to you because his whole plan is to take you out. God says, come, stay connected to me. Stay in union with me. Come, stay vitally connected to me. Come and let's, let my life flow in you. Let your life receive my life. And as, your, as life flows into you, you begin to act on what God tells you to do. You begin to act on it. And as you begin to act on it, God says, hey, John, I want you to do this financial thing for me. Yes, sir. He's building infrastructure. And he, it might be that I have to give up something. And if I give it up, then I know he's pruning me. He's not taking from me. He's pruning me. So the next thing is that I'll bear more fruit. So when I'm coming to Bible school and I'm giving up my free time to come and learn at Bible school, he's saying, I'm pruning you. Give me your time so that you can bear more fruit. He's building an infrastructure of education. If you come to prayer and you give yourself to prayer, what is he doing? He's building an infrastructure of communications in your life. Teaching you how to communicate with the Most High God and with all of God's people. Do you want to talk about a visual experience of what happens to us in the Spirit? I want you to go and look at the Ukraine and go and see it. Go and see what's happening. Those people walking with all the little bags and sacks on their back and they're walking with little things and babies in their arms and they're running away from their homes because they're trying to save their lives. That's what the ultimate goal of the devil. He's going to take all of what he's got and he's going to throw it at you. Okay. Are you all with me? I've got five more minutes to speak to you about this. What do you think, anybody, if you've been following news, what do you think about the president of Ukraine? The guy who was a casino owner who is now the president. Huh? What's, what's the world saying about his leadership? Come on, they are saying they, he has surprised the whole world 
because he's been community. He's found the president of the United States. He's found the president of the European Union. He's found the president of Germany and, and France. And he's been talking to everybody. He's putting himself on the news and he refuses to leave his country and he's standing there and he's fighting with his nation. And he says, I don't care how strong Russia is, we're going to fight. So what he's begged for is someone to help him clear the airspace. So Russia can't keep sending missiles into the airspace. Am I the only one who listens to news from time to time? Or do you know what I'm talking about? Huh? Okay. So then there's the whole political thing. We can't interfere with the airspace because then it would be like an act of war against Russia. Hello. Russia's not at war with Europe. Okay, don't worry about the airspace. Just give me the missiles that I need. America, Europe, give me the missiles I need so that when they come with their tanks and they come with their helicopters and they come with, we can shoot them. We got, at least let's us just shoot them down. We got the guts. Give us the ammunition. I mean, we've seen leadership of the highest order from an unexpected man in Europe. Yes? And all he's asking for is the right weapons and he will defeat Russia. He's on the point of defeating Russia anyway. But all he's asked for is the right weapons to defeat Russia. Huh. What do you need? What weapons do you need? Let me tell you, if you stay connected to God and you are vitally in union with Him and you begin to build that infrastructure in your life, then He begins to give you all the ammunition you need. So, so why did you tell me the story about Brother Jerry? Because what Brother Jerry needed to know is I needed to have the wisdom that the stuff that's happened on my face, there's a doctor and, a, and, they can, and I'm going to believe God for the healing. When he's going through the pain, he doesn't want to hear from anybody. But he's enough words of healing in his whole life. Come on, last, the last couple of years, he shared with us the miracle of his can't remember a thing, didn't know his name, didn't know his daughters, didn't know everything from the stroke. He was going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life. But his faith words pulled him right out of it. And what the devil couldn't steal from him was his prayer language. Remember he said that? The devil couldn't steal his prayer language. So even though he couldn't remember his own name, his own daughter's name, his own wife's name, he couldn't remember a verse in the Bible. He was praying in the tongues, in the spirit. It came out of his spirit and it bypassed his mind that that stroke had tried to take all of his life from him. And it came out of his spirit because he was in union with God and he was bearing the fruit of health. He didn't need the fruit of money right then. He needed the fruit of health. And in his spirit, man, he spoke out by the spirit. And God said, I've got words here that can come. And then Brother Copeland came. And then Brother Jesse Duplantis came. And others came. And they came into his room. And they laid hands on him. And they prayed for him. And so then all he's got to do, remember. Remember his testimony. 
All he had to do was he had to be able to walk in a certain way and do certain things and then they would let him go home. And that's all he knew. I'm going to do that. And he had faith that was in his heart. I'm going to do this so I can go home. Because if I can go home, then God's going to heal me. It came from his prayer language out of his spirit. You tell me what's more real. Bombs from Russia or what's in your spirit, man? Because the enemy is sending bombs into your life and you think, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. As long as some other people are running from their homes, as long as it doesn't come near me. I'll tell you what, he's coming around the seaports and he's trying to come from the seaside and he's bringing other kinds of war machinery to come and attack you in ways that you don't think he's coming. Well, Pastor John, aren't you giving too much credit to the devil? No, I'm just waking you up to the fact that he's busy. He's busy. And I'm waking you up to the fact that it's time for us to be serious about God. And you might say to me, but Pastor John, we as a church, we are all serious about God. I know that. I know you're serious about God. But listen, my job, my job is to come and bring with me Tomahawk missiles. And our job is to come and bring special helicopters and airplanes and jets. And they all come. How do they come? They're coming today. I just brought a whole bunch of missiles with me today. And how did it come to you? Through the form of words. Through the form of, if you want to know how to defeat your enemy, let me show you how to shoot your rifle. Let me how to show, show you how to let this bomb go. So, what does that mean? That means when the, those guys come with their tanks and they start firing. We have, like Israel, we have a steel dome. What do they call it? The iron dome. Because as, as Lebanon or the Palestinian organization, as they try to throw bombs at Israel, they've got this iron dome and they intercept them in the air. All the Ukraine would need would to be to have an iron dome. And I'll tell you what, they would defeat Russia like that. But if you don't allow God to give you an iron dome, those missiles are going to destroy your spiritual infrastructure. Come on. Hello. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that He has given us the ability to stay connected to Him. And when we stay connected to Him, we bear fruit. And as we bear more fruit, we dwell with Him. He dwells with us. And uh, we begin to build a spiritual infrastructure of communication, of health, of financial well-being. We begin to develop a structure, a, in, a support structure of people that we can call on, people that we are connected to, people that can stand in faith with us. Relational infrastructure. So you think that what we need in the natural world isn't in the spirit realm? It's, it was God's idea 
for man to name animals. What is he giving him? Authority, education. He was building infrastructure in him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I had more, more to read to you, but I had to read a paper Bible, and I'm rather unused to reading a paper Bible. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to the Lord. I'm expecting, I want you, I want to just, I want you to hear this. I'm expecting that we will have miracles this weekend. We are going to have relationship miracles. We are going to have financial miracles. We are going to have healing miracles. We are going to have miracles that are going to be uh, uh, emotional and uh, miracles where there are things that seem desperate and hopeless in people's lives. God is going to bring restoration and recovery over this weekend. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm particularly believing God that there will be healing miracles. Healing miracles. So I'm going to share something with you that happened. We went with Brother Jerry uh, to Brother Copeland's Branson Victory Campaign. And so we go into a service and um, in, after the morning service, Brother Jerry announces that he brought a suit with him and didn't bring the right color shoes to wear with the suit. So now you know Brother Jerry. He's immaculate. You don't know that? Just checking. He's immaculate. So he says to the driver that's been allocated to us, uh, I need to buy a pair of shoes that matches my suit. Yes, sir. So we, it's, it's a small town and generally there's no store there that Brother Jerry would normally shop at. Anyway, there was a store that he went into. So I'm walking there with him and there's a gentleman that is driving us and acts as security because he's in a town now where lots of people know him and they're there for the conference and so sometimes people try to interfere with him and so he needs security. So, but I'm, I'm hanging out with him there and, and there's shoes. So we're looking around and so I pull out a box of shoes and I say, what about this color? Brother Jerry says, oh, um, oh, okay. He says, I think this will do it. It's not quite the color I would have chosen, but understanding my limited uh, options I've got here, I'll take these shoes. So they have a limited amount of sizes. So he puts on a size. He says, you know what, Dave? This size is just a little bit too big for me. He says, but I can wear it. He says, if I had the option, I would have chosen a slightly smaller size, but, uh, but I can wear it. He said, I'll... I'm going to pay for this. So I need socks. I need socks. So we're going to find some socks for him to go with the color of the shoes. 
Now, come on, church. I'm vitally connected to Jesus. I'm in Branson because God wanted me to be in Branson with Brother Jerry and Brother Copeland for a reason. I'm not just there because... So, you know, remember that Brother Jerry was given shoes by Oral Roberts. And when he has healing services, he walks around in size 12 shoes where he wears a size 9. So he's put a whole lot of stuff in the front of the shoes so he can walk around in Brother Oral Roberts' shoes because he believes in the Scripture that when the prophets died and their bones and people fell on the bones, they came alive again because they fell on the bones of the prophets. Ezekiel. Right? So because he believes that the healing anointing is worth him still that was imparted to him by Brother Roberts. He walks around with those shoes on. Now, you can believe whatever you want or not. So, I wasn't born yesterday. Brother Jerry, can I buy these shoes, please? No, John. No, I didn't come in here. Brother Jerry, I would like to buy these shoes for me. I would like to own these shoes. I'm actually buying these shoes for me. And I'm asking you if you'll wear them while you're having your services with Brother Copeland and while you're preaching. If you wear those shoes, I would be most blessed. But I'm buying my shoes. He said, I understand, John. Please go ahead and pay for them. So he wears his shoes. My shoes. He makes a point. He makes a point on the day that the conference ended when we got off the aeroplane and we arrived in, in, in uh, Fort Worth. Takes the packet with the shoes and he brings me the shoes and he says, John, here's your shoes. He understood what was happening in the spirit between us. Here's what happens. I put the shoes on. They fit me perfectly. Perfectly. So I said to Brother Jerry, I said, Brother Jerry, I'm going to be wearing these shoes when I have a healing ministry meeting. When I lay hands on people on Monday, I'm going to be wearing these shoes because I'm expecting the healing, the anointing that was on Oral Roberts' life, that has been operating in your life, to flow through these hands that come from these shoes. It's a point of contact. I, the shoes are just leather. Come on. But it's a point of contact in, for faith. If the Lord took us to America just for that reason, it's enough. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. And so I have a great expectation because you know I've been preaching on the resurrection of Christ. And I've been preaching on that the resurrection means that when we are baptized with Him, we are also raised with Him. And if we are raised with Him, then the healing power belongs to us. The healing anointing belongs to us. Healing is part of ours to have. Yes. 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 
And it's time for us to walk in that authority and that anointing. And I've been preaching that because I've been sharing with you that my faith is out there, that we will begin to have miracles and healings in, this, in our church. Now, is it a surprise to you that Brother Jerry left his shoes at home? He never leaves shoes at home. But I'm flying with him in his aeroplane and he leaves shoes at home. And so I happen to be able to walk with him into a store where he's ready to buy shoes that are now my shoes that now fit me that are now always going to be on my feet when I have healing meetings. And I don't care if they fit with my suit or they don't. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And when Brother Joe and Brother Jerry preached to us on Saturday late afternoon, I'm expecting an anointing. I'm expecting miracles. I'm expecting you to receive the, the Word of God that is building infrastructure of faith in you so that you can receive from God what you need. No communication breakdown. No missiles taking you out. Nothing's going to destroy what God's got for your life. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So you can end up like Ukraine or you can end up with a, a powerful military kind of organization like America used to be and can be, will be. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And if you have been living in a Ukraine life, then let this be the beginning where you start clearing out all the old stuff. And all those things that have been broken down, just to take a big bulldozer and say, God, in the spirit, I move this out of the way so that you can rebuild my hospital, my health life, my telecommunications life, my financial institution life, all of the stuff that you need to have in your life. Rebuild, rebuild, restore, recreate, redevelop. Let it come. Take the old bulldozer and let it bulldoze all that rubble out of the way. Let it God build something new in you. It's time. It's time. It's time. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Won't you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm letting you out 20 minutes early. Machtig. Why? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Father, I pray that this word that has been declared today will take root in, in hearts. I pray that your anointing begins to blow the cobwebs out of the lives of peoples, out of their minds, out of their hearts, out of their, out of their thinking. Just blow it away, fathers. Take the bulldozer of your spirit and take that rubble and push it out of their heart, out of their lives, out of the way, so that you can begin to rebuild what needs to be rebuilt. Restore. Hallelujah. Reinvest re in the infrastructure, Father, right now in Jesus' name. Right now, as people give you their hearts, Lord. Hallelujah. And so, Father, I expect healing to begin to happen. Even right now, I'm expecting healing miracles to happen. I'm expecting you, Father, to begin to change conditions. Conditions where there are up to now no answer for it. 
I'm expecting, Father, that diabetes will be healed. I'm expecting, Father, that there will be cancers that will be healed. I'm expecting, Father, that there will be all manner of sickness and disease, limbs that have been broken and hurt and whatever, for whatever reason, Father, that they will be healed by the miracle power of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm praying, Father, that there will be a faith that will arise that will cause your people to reach out and go for the highest and the best that you have for their lives. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Do you agree with this prayer right now? Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Tonight I'm going to talk to you about Ukraine, Russia, and America, spiritually speaking. And I'm going to use natural circumstances to bring home to you what God's got for you in the spirit. What God's got for your life. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I'm going to talk to you about identity politics. I'm going to talk to you about infrastructure, the lack of infrastructure investment and what it does to you spiritually. And I'm going to use America and I'm going to use Russia and I'm going to use Ukraine and I'm going to use world politics to talk to you about it. Or world circumstances. So that when you hear the news, you will remember these messages. Hallelujah. And suddenly you'll be driving in a car and the anointing of God will come on you. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I mean, the anointing's already strong in this place. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Addictions are going to be broken. Habits are going to change. The power of God's Word is going to come and transform us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Thank you for coming this afternoon. I will see you this afternoon. Six o'clock. Amen. Yet lekker, slaap lekker. Wat ook al lekker jullie wil doen, mag het lekker wees. Bye.